Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is October the 18th, and our scripture for today is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In chapter 10, the Apostle Paul changes his tune. He's been singing the praises of the Macedonians and urging the Corinthians to be faithful to the promises and vows that they've made. When he comes to chapter 10, he changes the language to warfare. And he reminds the Corinthians that even though he has been gentle to them in many ways, he had to be the disciplinarian. He had to tell them the truth. You see, the Apostle Paul loved people enough to tell them the truth. Sometimes it seemed harsh, but it was always helpful. And when the people responded through repentance and confession, God did a great work in the churches where the Apostle Paul was. And so in chapters 10 and 11, he defended his apostleship. He talked about the comparison between he and the rest of the apostles, the true apostles, and that they had nothing on him because he was commissioned the same way that they were by the Lord Jesus himself. And he gave witness to that and how it all came about. When he comes to chapter 12, he enters into another level of true transparency about what God had done in his life. So we're going to pick up on that because I know there's some things in here that you may have wondered about and some things I am sure of. Other things I will give you an educated guess, and that's the best that I can do. Here is what the Apostle Paul said in verse 1. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. He said, this is not good. I know that I cannot win, but I must tell you the truth. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord because people were saying, well, I got a word from God. I had a word of knowledge. This is what they were famous for at Corinth. And so he said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago. Now, remember when Paul was writing this, this was in the fall of 56, 56 A.D., 14 years earlier would have been 42 A.D. That is only approximately 12 years after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. He said, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. He said, such a one was caught up into the third heaven. He was using the third person. It was like he was telling a story of a person that had experienced something that the ordinary person doesn't experience, something that God gave him, and a revelation that would help him to understand the true nature of who God is and how we walk with him and how blessed the Apostle Paul was. But he talked about this in the third person. But no doubt it was a revelation about himself. He had what was called a near-death experience. These NDEs have been recorded in a book a friend of mine wrote called Code Blue. He just went to be with Jesus himself. His name is Pastor Jan Munch. And I can give you the details of how to get that in a podcast in the future, or you can just email me 
I will get it back to you as quickly as possible. You can get on a messenger, Facebook messenger and messenger me, but you can just write me to Dr. Crisp, D-R-C-R-I-S-P at TonyCrisp.org. Dr. Crisp at TonyCrisp.org, and I will give you the link that will let you buy the book. It's about those who had experiences, what's called near-death experiences. Now, I understand that some of this is very far out, but Pastor Jan did a great job. We've been partner in ministry for years now with a Facebook page and a website called Ads for Christ, A-D-S-4, the number four, Christ. It is a great page. It has well over 900,000 followers and reaches a lot of people around the world with very simple slideshows and other things, many of them he's speaking in. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because if you just discard every experience that people have, you're going to have to discard the Apostle Paul because the Bible says that he was caught up into the third heaven. Now, the third heaven is a term for the abode of God. It's synonymous with the very place where God lives. And as a matter of fact, you will see that in just a moment. He said, I was caught up into the third heaven, and I know such a man, whether in body or out, I do not know. God knows. But he said how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter of such a one. I will boast yet of myself. I will not boast except in my infirmities. Now, let me come back to that because I want to talk about, first of all, the third heaven. The third heaven is the place where God dwells. The first heaven is the place where the birds fly, what would be called our atmosphere. Outside of that is the stellar heavens where the sun, the moon, the stars, the uh, constellations are, all of that. Those are called the stellar heavens. That's the second heaven. First heaven is the atmosphere in which we live that encircles the earth. And then there are the stellar heavens where the sun, moon, stars, all of the great heavens that God made. But then there is the very abode of God. Paul was caught up into the very abode of God, and he saw things he could not utter. Now, just because he saw things that were inexpressible doesn't mean that others who had near-death experience had to experience the same thing. Paul was caught up. Look what it says, verse 4, how he was caught up into paradiso. That's the word, paradiso. Paradiso is a real place. It is the word that comes to us from Persian, from Farsi. That's right. It's not Aramaic. It's not Hebrew. It's not Greek. It's Persian. It was a place that was believed to be the private garden of King Cyrus and the kings that were to follow him. Now, Paradiso explained a lot about gardens. Sometimes it was a hunting ground that kings would have where they would have wild animals. It was like a reserve. But in this case, the Persian word had reference to Cyrus's private garden. It would be like the hanging gardens of Babylon, which Nebuchadnezzar had. And it was inside the city. And it was a place that was the safest, the most fortified of all the places in all the realm of the king. Now, his friends and family were often invited there. But in order to come into Paradiso, into the garden, you had to 
have a personal invitation for the king. If you tried to get in any other way, you would be thrust through. You would be killed because you would be showing yourself as a robber, someone who wasn't invited. And when you came into the garden, the king would talk to you. Many times he would even take off his royal robes and walk with you through the garden. And he would let you ask him anything concerning the kingdom. In other words, there was an intimacy about the garden and the king. Only his friends and family were there. And most of all, it was the most beautiful place in all the realm. Paradiso, in this same passage and everywhere it is used, for instance, in Revelation chapter 2, when the promise is made to those who overcome, those who overcome in the church of Ephesus, who were conquerors, Jesus said, I will let you be a part of the great paradise of God, the paradiso, because in that paradiso, that is where the tree of life is. Remember, where was the tree of life? It was in paradiso. It was in a beautiful garden. In the Hebrew text of this very same passage here and other passages like it, it doesn't use the word paradiso. It uses the phrase gan beneden. Gan Beneden. Gan Beneden, Gan is the word for garden. Beneden means in Eden. That's right, the Garden of Eden. God didn't do away and destroy the Garden of Eden. No, He caught it up. He caught it up to heaven. And I believe, as I have studied and read and researched this very thing in the scriptures and the extra material that is out there in ancient documents, I believe that Paradiso, where every believer is, this is what Jesus said to the thief on the cross when he was dying. You remember that thief that was railing against him and cursing the Lord Jesus as he was on the cross. The other thief said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, today you will be with me in paradiso. Now, I have an entire podcast on paradise, and I want to encourage you to go back and find it because I go into great detail about that, which I'm not going to do here. But I do believe that the moment the believer closes his eyes in death right now, that he wakes up in God's beautiful garden in the paradise of God. And he is with God, walking with him, talking with him, being intimate with him. And he will be known there even as he is known. So Paul was caught up into the great paradiso of God, into Gan Ben-Aden, into the Garden of Eden. And with such a revelation, with all that he had shown to him, he said, I had words spoken that are inexpressible that I cannot pass on. I have uh, sights in my memory that I cannot pass on. He said, yet I will boast, but not of myself. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. I will not be senseless. That's the word. But I will speak the truth, but I will refrain, lest anyone should think above what he sees or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted uh, above measure by the abundance of revelation, a scallop, that's right, a scallop, a spear, a pointed object, a stake, 
a thorn as it is translated, a splinter sometimes is translated. Not a splinter as in a little splinter you get into your thumb, but a stake, a splinter, something that was very large. It was often used as a pointed stake. He said, I was given a stake, a sharp, irritating, painful stake in my flesh, in my body. I was given a messenger of Satan. Now, many times people think that this was a demonic thing and and the flesh, the Adamic flesh, the old man. I don't believe that at all. Could it have been? Yes, I think it is a very slim chance. Why? Because Paul is talking about a physical malady. And you say, well, how do you know that? I believe it was, comparing Scripture with Scripture, a malady that had to do with his eyes, an infirmity, a weakness. I believe when the Lord Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, he was blinded. We know that. He was blinded for days, and God granted him sight. But we also know that he had a physician with him from the ancient city of Troas, ancient city of Troy onward throughout the rest of his missionary journeys. He always had someone with him. Rarely was he alone. I believe it was because he couldn't see. I believe the clearest example of that as to why I believe that is not only here in this passage, but in the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians chapter 4, Paul was talking about how they had changed toward him after he left them and how much they loved him, respected him, reverenced him, how they made him feel welcome. As a matter of fact, he said, you were so loving toward me. You cared for me in my affliction. You cared for me in my hard time when I was weak and sickly among you. And then he said, as a matter of fact, you would have given me your own eyes. Now, why would he say you would have given me your own eyes? This is in uh, Galatians chapter four. Why would he have said that? Would they have wanted to give him their eyes if his eyes were good? No. The reason they wanted to give him their eyes is because he couldn't see well and they could. And then in the last chapter of the book of Galatians, he says, you see how large a letter I have written unto you. Large letters, not a long letter, not a large letter as in long, because it's not that long. It's only what we call six chapters, very short letter. No, he wrote in big block capital letters. The reason was he wrote that part with his own hand. He wrote with large letters to let them know that it was from him personally. And they would have recognized this because that's the way he wrote with them and taught them because he couldn't see well. So he had to write big, tall letters like a schoolboy with big block letters. That's what he says. I've written large letters to you so that you'll know that it is from me. No one else would have known that. So I believe that the thorn in the flesh was Paul had a type of blindness and a weakness. And God gave this to him, not because he hated him and not because he disliked him, but because he liked him and he loved him and he wanted the very best for him. And so he said, I sought the Lord three times concerning this. And finally, God said, don't talk to me anymore about it. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, my strength, Paul, is made perfect. It's brought to fruition, completeness in your weakness. And isn't this a new take? You see, everybody wants to be healed, and who doesn't? We all want to be healed. But sometimes God doesn't heal. I think Paul had enough faith to be healed. I believe that he walked with God enough to be healed. 
I believe God surrounded him with grace enough to be healed. God didn't want him healed. Why? Because he had a grander purpose than just to make him well in the flesh, in his body. You see, all healing in this life is temporary. We're going to get sick again. We're going to die of something. And so we're not going to live forever in this body, not like it is corrupting and decaying because we are under the curse. And so, yes, it's wonderful to be healed. Shout, rejoice, jump, and uh, clap. And thank God, yes, but you're going to die. You're going to come to a point when God's not going to heal you. He's going to take you home and he'll heal you one day with a glorified body. But the realization that Paul came to is sometimes God doesn't heal so that he can use the weakness to make us strong in him. And so Paul said, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities and my sicknesses. Now, that wouldn't go well on TV today. And he said, I would do that gladly so that the power of Christ of Messiah may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. Yes, that's what he said. I take pleasure in my infirmities, in the reproaches that come from that. He must have been hideous to look like. In needs, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so he went on to talk about how much he loved them, how much he cared for the Corinthians, how much he wanted to see them build up, how he wanted to see them grow, how he wanted to see them progress in their spiritual life. And he said, I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. What an attitude of a servant. You see, Paul had gotten it. He understood that who he was, he was by the grace of God, and that's all that mattered to him. And that should be all that matters to us. Think about it. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.